0: Hi there, and welcome to the show that's all about celebrating all the shapes, sizes, and colors of diversity, as well as adversity, and seeks to inspire the world through authentic conversations that are both meaningful and relatable. Each episode, I deep dive into the extraordinary journey of an average yet super incredible person in the diversity space. We talk about everything from their personal accomplishments and or contributions to social impact to some of the adversity they've had to face along the way and the resiliency and tenacity that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Tisha Gillespie, and this is Not Your Average Goat. We are back with the second half of Bray's inspiring story. In this conversation, we talk about what life was like for Bray in the months leading up to her mom's suicide. Talk about the unique grieving experience that suicide survivors go through in Bray's 12 plus year journey, going from angry and confused to happy and confident. And also talk about the unsettling lack of support and immense shame that suicide survivors often get from outsiders. Then we dive into Bray's own neurodivergence and struggles with mental health, including anxiety and ADHD, shed some light on many of the misconceptions around these conditions, and also talk about the power of a keep going mindset and the importance of self empathy. Without further ado, What do you remember, if anything, about your mom? Like, what are some of the like the latter memories you have of your mom? Do you see any, like, big changes in her in those last few months?
1: Yes, yes. And that was another big thing, you know, and that comes with, especially when you lose someone to suicide, you know, you go through that grieving process of having to kind of learn, accept that, like, that wasn't. Your mom, or for my case, right? Like she was a different person in those last couple months. She, the depression completely, you know, overpowered any, honestly, of what my mom, and that makes me really, really sad. My mom and I, we had very, very similar personalities. Um, My mom was very energetic, very animated, very funny. Oh, I'm not calling myself funny, (laughs) but (laughs) no. <laughs> um, just good energy all around but um we actually took our last picture together um in in the last six months, which is plastered everywhere, whether it's at my desk or whatever. Um, of course that was back in the day. she actually came with me to pick up my new pink like digital camera um <laughs> We were taking like selfies and stuff. There was probably one or two good days and that was one of the days that, We took those selfies together, like was like one of her good days. But honestly, last six months, my mom completely, I mean, she was not there. She was there, but she was not there. And that's also, I've seen it firsthand. I have seen what depression can do to someone. And it's very hard to accept that. It's taken, it took me years, honestly, to get past the pissed off stage of, um, all of this, if I'm being honest, but again, as I've learned it, it, there's lots of different stages of of the grieving process when it comes to losing someone to suicide. It's really, it's really sad what what it can do to someone when you're, when you're just (laughs) kind of defeated, you know, I think at that point, like it was showing my mom was just, she was losing weight, like crazy. She just, it was almost just like she wasn't there.
0: Relatively speaking, you were still very young. Like, what had happened for you, you were barely 18. Like you had, I think just turned 18 and you were about to graduate high school. Was anger the first emotion you remember feeling when you felt like when you learned of your mom's passing?
1: Yes, I was. So, you know, my, I lost my mom. It was four days after my 18th birthday, um, January. I was very, I was Angry was definitely um, one of those first emotions. Definitely one of the lingering emotions as well, um, which again, kind of, kind of normal, expected um, when you do lose someone to suicide. At first, of course, I think confused too. I was definitely confused because we had just had a conversation because there was an incident, unfortunately, a couple of days before she ended up going through and, and, and taking her life. Um, and I think it was just that it was confused and it was surreal. I mean, I still, when I talk about this, I'm almost like, this is my, this is like my life after all this time, there's still kind of like those same feelings, but like, um, but yeah, I would say anger and just kind of confusion were those first two immediate you know emotions
0: where were you or how did you find out about your mom passing
1: yeah so i was um i was actually at the movies with my two best friends i'm actually still the one who i was with um actually is the, the my best friend who gave me that beautiful gift that i mentioned earlier in this podcast she was with me it was a call from my brother it was a text and call and i i missed the call and then i saw my phone light up so i looked at it and it was a text from my brother and i sprinted out of the movie the movie was lovely bones which i still have not been able to watch um or the lovely bones still have not been able to watch that or even when i hear it or when i see anything about it it makes my heart drop um but essentially what, it, what the what the call or the text was was it was my brother saying that my mom was they couldn't find her and that I mean that was just it's almost a little bit too almost too hard to speak about kind of what was after that. but but you know I rushed home and when I found out what happened it was I was in my kitchen at my dad's house right by the refrigerator I remember I remember if it, my brother called me he was balling his eyes out, could not breathe. My my brother actually found my mom, which has we still talk about to this day. As far as it's almost like I don't even know, Tisha. It's this is going to sound like really intense, but like it's almost like my brother was meant to. Because there's just no way in hell that my myself or my dad could have ever. There's just no way. My brother's strong, and I know. And I say that in the sense of it's he views this as like he had as much as he wants to question why he had to be the one at the same time. I know he knows that there's no way in hell that my dad or myself could have handled that. I mean, gosh, I remember perfectly when the priest came over to talk to us a little bit of prepping for the funeral and when asked my dad how long they were married and he went to Say 22, and he did it with his fingers to see the break. I mean, I remember the moment of hearing my brother break down and my dad break down, and it, it will live with me forever. People say that's like one of the hardest things ever, right? Is to see your parents cry, see your, my brother, <laughs> my brother is a very, um, I always joke around to say that he's a proud Guido, um, <laughs> or <North> Italian. <Korean>, so, <laughs> um, but it's, uh, so that was, that was that. And um, if and this has go, gone back, you know, I've, I moved away. My brother and my dad, they're still in my hometown. Personally, it's just, again, I've been able to reflect, reflect back and just think like, I've just, I can't stick around all of that. But that's a whole nother conversation. Um, that's really intense. I mean, and I
0: mean, I've never met your brother, but I give him so much kudos for being able to do that, and for—I mean, knowing you, I know that that would have been so so tough for you to do. And I don't know your dad, but just thinking about being a spouse and finding your dead wife or husband, I—I I can definitely empathize with like just not being able to do that at all and just crumbling at first sight. So, gosh, I um. God, uh, your brother like god he sounds he sounds like like such a strong person
1: he is wow. he is and i'm with you tisha and that's that's where the surrealness kind of kicks in i as i'm talking about this and and this goes back to tisha like i just need to give you kind of like a shout out right now because this is not easy and i um but at the same time i feel very like Empowered, but also like so safe with you that, like, I it almost it's almost like this therapeutic sense to just like have this conversation with you right now. So, I just I really appreciate all of just who you are and and how you're like kind of helping like construct this like conversation. Because, um, the last thing I want, of course, and I've had people say this to me, like, oh, like, how are you do you not like cry every single time you talk about it? And it's like, well, I mean, there comes a point where you just I don't, you're not, I mean, gosh, you you wouldn't be able to survive, right? If you just let it completely, there's the moments, uh, trust me, I cry probably six times a day, give or take, because I miss my mom so much. Like it's painful how much I miss her, but you just, you know, the biggest thing is like, we are the evidence of our loved ones and it is my mission and it is my superpower that I think that I am able to, I want to live life as like she would and would want me to. And I also like what she did was like, it's not for nothing. Um, And I know a lot of people, when they have their thoughts on suicide, they think it's weak. They think it's all these things. And they forget that like, there's people on the other side, there's family members, there's daughters, there's sons, there's husbands, there's wives, you know, that they really miss this person in their life. And now you're making it seem like, you know what they did, like was selfish or this or for that. And like, when you really think about the toll that that can take on the people that already lost their loved one, you know, my, my therapist shared with me that people who lose loved ones to suicide, they receive, you know, 76% less support than if someone losing their loved one to a car accident, to cancer. And I understand, you know, I know there's a lot of things, but like, I I almost want that number to resonate. And like, so now you're already missing your loved one. You're feeling confused. You're feeling abandoned. You're feeling guilty. And then like, you know, it's almost like you have all those, you, you forget to mourn the person because those feelings are so just consuming So this is why now I, I'm 30 years old, but, and it has been a hell of a journey to get to this, but, um, this is why it's so important to just, just talk about it. Um, and, and there, there's just really, really powerful things that can come from having like conversations like these. So thank you, Tisha, for just the way that you're kind of doing all of this with me oh
0: and you're about to make me cry and I feel so selfish for like crying (laughs) (laughs) no
1: it's but it and that's why I'm so it's like I'm so passionate about like let like people dub me as like the hype girl in this and it's like oh my gosh because like I just like you gotta tell people how you make them feel it is so it can really like you gotta share your shine you know you gotta just like Because it can really do like really beautiful things from really, really, really shitty situations. And like, it's a shitty situation. Like what my family has gone through, what every single person and family has gone through when they've lost their loved one to suicide, it is, it sucks. It is so shitty. And every single day when someone makes the comment, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to do this. I know there's no bad intention there, but it's like people don't even think about the little things like that. And you have to build that armor around yourself. And like, they'll be the bad days, but they'll also be the good days when you have your big ass armor. And you're just like, get the hell out of my way. Like I have something to say. And just to think
0: That 76% of people who lose someone to suicide don't get that support that they need is so traumatic. And I, oh God, I just, it's so controversial. And I feel like maybe society or the government is trying to like discipline the dead in a Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. And say like, oh, like they did this to themselves. It wasn't an accident. No one else took their life from them. So like, why should we like, why should we give them support? But you're, you're penalizing the families and the people they left behind. It has nothing. I mean, yes, it does kind of have something to do with the people who took their lives, but it has more so to do with the people who they left behind.
1: Like it's so awful. (laughs) I'm so happy you just said that. Exactly, Tisha. And trust me, we feel it. Every single day, I feel like the second some, and this could be all within my head, but it's almost where when people do find out that I lost my mom the way I did, I think even more so kind of what you shared in the beginning, they're like, oh my gosh, like, look at you. And I I try and bring, because I don't want it to defeat me, but it's almost like it can feel really, hopeless and, and you feel very helpless when that's when like the odds are stacked against you and you're so, you're just so right it's the family it's the loved ones who have to hear the shit talking or and again i'm um, this is all due respect but to the religious views on things it's like oh my gosh like doesn't it just make you really sad to think about that there's and there's obviously situations okay and this goes back i'm just going to like goes back to like the Jeffrey Epstein stuff or whoever right people that take their lives to get out the easy way i'm not i'm not sitting here to say that like there's that doesn't happen with suicide but what sucks is that that is what paints the picture and then if there's like the people that really are really suffering in silence or for me to look back and see how hard my mom tried but at the same time people that do end up doing this it's they truly feel like they don't want to be that burden they, my mom didn't want to be the burden in all of our lives forever so it's at the how people can think it's selfish it's almost i'm not going to go as far as saying selfless but i'm going to go as far as like it, it it's more so like they just feel like they like life will be easier if they're not here and that's so sad and if you cannot think if, if that doesn't make you sad that your loved one for me, it's my mother, right? My, my hero, my everything, like to think that she was so, so sad and so depressed and so mentally unwell that she thought that she thought t- removing herself from our orbit and our, and earth and, and our lives was like the, was the best solution. Like to me, that's just, that's so sad to me. And I just hope that people listening can kind of maybe thinking about it in that way could help a little bit, you know?
0: You talked about, you know, one of your first reactions to your mom passing was anger, which is completely understandable. Do you remember how long that intense anger lasted and kind of like, how did, like, what did that shift into after the anger part? It,
1: the anger part had to have lasted at least a couple of years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was really suppressing things, which again, like goes back to like the pandemic when the whole kind of world was on that pause. It was really, um, I really went through it because everything came up and everything that I have read and learned through all of the beautiful authors and my therapist who I love, shout out to my therapist. She has saved my life. I love her it, um, it really came up in ways that again, you don't ever see. I never, I thought 10 years later being how I was feeling. I thought I was being like, I was like, I'm so dramatic. Why am I doing this? Why is it just now? Like, Oh, but it's because you push it down. Right. And you're on the go, go, go. So anger, I think eventually kind of shifted into sadness. Um, but also just, I think the anger maybe stopped at my mom, but it almost started turning into like a little bit of resentment towards my dad and family. Cause I, I think at that point I just felt like, Oh my gosh, why don't we talk about her? Why aren't we like celebrating? Like it was almost like back to that, like confused. I just felt like very, um, it just wasn't like the normal, like, right. Like if I watched movies and a mom or dad passed away, they would share memories at the table. Like we never, we didn't do any of that with my family. Um, it's not because it was just, I think no one knew how to really, my dad, especially, he's just the type of person where, like, he redid the house, like, a couple weeks after my mom passed, I feel like the house just, remind, my mom was very artsy and creative as well, Um, so I think I'm so proud to, like, say that and own that about myself because my mom was amazing she was a painter she did the entire house on her own like very very creative um and my dad literally changed it like weeks later because i feel like that was his way of like grieving but i think that's not anything about suicide but comes like i i think you almost you're just like on cruise kind of like because you don't really know how to go to about go about it especially if like your family isn't like really talking about so I think that's why it's taken so long for me to almost like sort through my different emotions because if I'm being totally honest it wasn't like really until the pandemic until like what how I was feeling totally like transitioned into this like oh my gosh I've like really been through some shit in my life and there's so many layers to it and I don't even talk about it And then you start talking about it. And my eyes were like raw from crying so hard in my therapy sessions. But it was like, it was almost like a beautiful thing because like how much I have learned and how I've been able to really understand myself now. And I can reflect back on all my different emotions, the anger, the confusion, the kind of just like, um, that was just kind of it, Tisha. I feel like it just like kind of. Not that I ever saw, I, I think my mom, I was seeing my mom every like day, every so many times a day. It was almost just like, I don't think I felt empowered to feel any other way besides angry and like confused because that was kind of just like how all of us were feeling at the time. So yeah, I think that's just kind of how I felt up, like truly up until the pandemic. I mean, it was a mixture of just anger, sadness, and confusion, Sadness isn't like, I miss my mom so much, but I feel like I can't miss her because like the way that she left this earth, like for some reason I was allowing that like perception to like, like cloud that for me. And now that's why I'm so, I will not stop talking about it because I do feel like for the first 10 years, I kind of never really like knew what was going on and how I was feeling. When did that
0: turning point happen for you when you started to kind of see the light toward the end of the tunnel and feel like you were actually healing
1: from what happened? yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. My healing has been so, that's what I'm saying. I, as shitty as this shit has been and this journey i the it is worth it when you get to the healing stage it is so worth it like to anyone who is like on their healing journey like keep going it's like it's i would literally write keep going in all of my notebooks and random pages i would like flip forward just to like write it write it where however i still do because it is so worth it um and it happened during the pandemic the pandemic as it, I know changed a lot of our lives. It, it completely helped me bring this full circle, um, all the way up until turning 30 years old, this last January, um, have been my healing years and they are the most, wow. Healing is, I mean, you know, you need to, what is, um, oh my gosh, there's a you have to feel to heal. That is what my therapist told me that um, you have to feel to heal. And this is so true. You have to feel, I wasn't allowing myself to feel anything. I was just suppressing and going. And the second I started to feel, I was started to heal. So that's, that definitely took. And now to see this full circle moment, Tisha in this last couple of years, it's really been, I've, from my friends from my family i have been told braylon you are like the old braylon again but even more just like empower you know it's and i love hearing that because i it's almost like again you gotta you gotta go through it to grow like to grow through it like you just it, it's a it's a testament to like all of the hard work that you do to heal because a lot of work goes into healing
0: I can't even imagine. And you're talking about for yourself, 12 years for your journey. And I'm sure there's still some time to go still. I know therapy has been a big help in terms of getting you to where you are today. And when we talk about mental health and the perception of mental health over the last 12 years, yes, we've taken so many strides forward. But at the same time, there's still a lot of stigma I feel like there's still a lot of hesitance and or stigma around therapy today. Can you talk about when you started using therapy after your mom passed away? Was that your first experience with therapy or
1: had you already been in therapy? I tried, I believe, six different therapists before I found my therapist. And I know when people hear that, they're going to probably feel discouraged right away my high school tried to get me into like the school therapy was not there yet i personally i th- i think it was a mixture of things i think a you have to be at that point in your life therapy is a very you get what you give and i mean that And you have to open up right you have to kind of relive all of the, your very very like worst moments of your life um but to be able to find someone who is obviously an, a professional it's an expert they are they are doing this for their for their jobs they you know to find someone at that scale like the, at that level but also someone who you can just you feel safe with you can connect with you feel like you are just you, you know I, I think it it takes a minute i, I mean I am like claps and snaps, you know, for all of the people that can, that have found their therapist, like the first, the first time they've ever, you know, had a consultation or however we want to say it. Um, But it, 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 for me, it took time. And I think it took a lot of that was because I was just not ready yet. I didn't want to talk to it. I didn't want to hear the criticism. I was not in a place where I was like, I want, there's something wrong or I'm feeling a certain way and I want to work with someone to help navigate that. You know, I was not there yet. I was not there until the pandemic put me there, honestly. And I'm, that's why that's kind of, it is that for my personal experience, like I needed that. So I think it was finding, you know, again, I found who my therapist, who I have now, she's just everything about her as a person everything. It was just such a, great connection from the very beginning but i also at that point in my life i had a i had to get there on my own i could i am someone you know uh, to all of the astrology people out there you know i'm an aquarius <laughs> I, I like to say that you know i i don't like to be forced into anything like i need to be there on my own time especially when it's around the sensitive subject of course of losing my mom so I think it was a combination of that. Um, and that's why therapy has been such a wonderful thing for me because I am there. I am ready. I want to know the tactics. I want to learn more about myself. I want to do that deep dive into where I can really connect things to better understand who I am and why I am the way I am and all that stuff. So um, yeah, I think it was just like a, that was like that, that combination for me is what led me to like such a successful you know it's therapy experience and um it feels good it definitely feels good to know that uh uh at my own pace on my own time that i was able to get to this point uh, there's on the flip side of that there are professionals that are better there waiting for you to come at any point of your journey and that's really like it's never too late ever to start, to start therapy. I'm, I'm happy that I, I started it the way I did 10 years later.
0: Well, I am so happy. I am so, so happy for you, Bray, because like the world is just so much better with you in it and you operating at your, your, your optimal level. Like you just bring so much happiness and positivity to this world. And I'm just so glad that you're finally getting to a place where you can be yourself and be happy again. So I'm just, uh, you have no idea how happy I am for you. And I didn't even like, I, I didn't even really know like how, I guess deep and far reaching your story was literally until like, we just talked about it today. Like you had shared a lot with me before, but Just kind of talking about it and hearing your raw emotions in real time, it's just, it definitely hits you. And I know that there's going to be so many people who have had very adjacent experiences to what you've had and they're going to feel it too. And you're going to inspire them and they're going to, hopefully if they're not already in therapy, if if they don't already see the light at the end of the tunnel, I know they will after hearing
1: this. Oh, thank you so much, Tisha. Thank you so much. And that means so much to me. And this means so much to me, Tisha, that you have allowed me to come on here, talk with you. Again, you have, you absolutely have this beautiful quality of just making people feel very seen and special and loved and celebrated. And I just, this is my first time I have ever shared my story in this in this setting in this way and I am it's changed my life like I'm telling you like this conversation with you today has changed my life and I am so grateful to for that opportunity and just Thank you so much, Tisha, truly. Hey, goat fans. I can't believe it, but we are already starting to prep for season two.
0: So if you're interested in being a guest on Not Your Average Goat and are ready to share your story with the world, please reach out. You can submit a request at notyouraveragegoat.org forward slash contact. We've talked a lot about your mom and her journey and the impact that she's had on you. But I know you've also kind of had your own personal journey with mental health as well, including with anxiety and then also ADHD. Can you talk to me a little bit about like how each of those have impacted you? I guess like when did you first realize that for instance anxiety was impacting you?
1: Yeah. So anxiety has been, um, I definitely look back on my life and I realize how, how it, it has been. I mean, I have definitely been struggling and I think dealing with anxiety. And I think a lot of us now, again, with all of like the resources coming out these days and and kind of that, that mental health conversations really help people see and like, oh my gosh, I, I also struggle with that. Um, but my anxiety... I, I kind of go back to I almost I do feel I am who I am because of a big reason is because of what I went through. Um, I my anxiety definitely I think stemmed from losing my mom. I'm I think I had a little bit sure sh- er, before that because anxiety does go like hand in hand with ADHD, which mm-hmm. you know is just being very hyperactive, um, not being able to kind of calm yourself. Um, I always I always tell people like. I always have butterflies like always like I don't even know what it's, I feel like like to not have butterflies unless I'm like on medication to like help remove the butterflies. It's kind of what it feels like for me. I am just so it definitely stemmed, I think, you know, from what happened. So that would be around when I was like 18 years old, give or take. Um, but it's, it's, it's gone hand in hand with my ADHD. And my ADHD is something that I struggle with. And I know when people first hear ADD, ADHD, so ADHD is the hyperactive side of things, um, which, so just feeling very, um, you know, antsy, right. Feeling very like, cannot calm yourself. And, um, there's a lot of times where like I was like trying to draw. Okay, like is this this is this like what is all of this? Does it all come together? And this is like like it's kind of hard when you when you do like struggle with depression, anxiety, and like ADHD to like really draw a line in the sand of like what is what because it's kind of it just all is like there at, at all times. <laughs> so that is um, but it's definitely gotten. I would say in the last five years, I've had a little bit more anxiety and depression and, you know, struggles with my ADHD. Um, And a lot of things can go into that right now. I'm work from home. Now I'm this. Now I'm that. But um, I, I what I loved about like for me, like my therapy experience has really helped educate me on like every way I'm feeling is, it's, it's valid. Like, I just felt like very, okay. Like, it's just, it just makes sense. It's very valid of like how I'm feeling and like what I've been through and how it's kind of shaped me into who I am today. And like learning all of that and being able to like connect that has definitely been really, um just really good for me, honestly, like moving forward. Right. Because I think I was very, ashamed and confused of why I was feeling like all this anxiety over very silly things. I mean, I get anxiety over extreme things, but also very, very silly things. Um, And learning all like more about anxiety has helped me just like own, you know, like who I am and like that I have that and like what I can do to help, you know, chill me out. What makes me like what helps me calm down that anxiety um it can be anything from a work related thing to a personal related thing to oh my gosh thinking about the most random uh, it's it's anxiety can be a beast so you have to learn how to tame it <laughs> oh yeah
0: yeah i i personally i i struggle with anxiety too and i feel i sometimes feel very embarrassed to admit yes. this because it's like people might say, oh, just like take a chill pill. Like, why do you even care about that? Like, and I just, and you know, sometimes I don't know why I do care about that and why exactly. I let things get to me. I just like, like, I wish, I wish I could stop it from impacting me, but there are like, especially at night. Oh like, my gosh. So at better. night. Yeah. And like, it, it prevents me from sleeping. Like there are nights when I, I have to take is equal to keep myself asleep. Otherwise, I know I'll be waking up around 1 or 2 a.m. and yep. I won't be able to fall asleep for like three hours because of anxiety. Maybe it's thinking about something from work. Maybe it's thinking about, oh my gosh, like, did I lock the garage door? Like, yes. there's just so many things. And God, it, it takes over and it takes up way too much of my time and my life. And I really wish it didn't.
1: Yes, I am Oh my gosh! Okay, that's exactly how I feel. Even now, right? I was like struggling to kind of find like I I don't I and even Jacob, you know, like he'll like what? Why? What's going on? And I'm just like I I don't know. Like it's I have no idea why I feel like I'm about to like you know dance in front of eight million people, and I'm like you know what I mean? Like like that's like the jitters that will like literally like it will be consuming um and like your heart is just racing, and I mean I even think back to like for example, public speaking was something I really struggled with. I mean, I would legit like lie to my college professors and say something happened when I like, so I could not come in and like do public speaking. Like it would make me physically like ill to even think about, like I, I would start thinking about it the second we got our syllabus. Like, <laughs> like this is not normal. Dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but no, I'm with you. And like the wanting to calm your mind. And that's why it's like creating your own calmness, right? Like, whatever however that looks for for you um and like i just oh my gosh the going to bed stuff i complete i can i cannot relate to that more it is very frustrating at times too right because like you said i don't like we don't want to feel like that i don't want to feel all antsy and jazzed up and like just you know i don't want that at all i just want to like chill and i think that's why this thing does come you know take a chill pill it's like no, like literally, like people have to take chill pills <laughs> to, <laughs> to chill. So I'm definitely one of those people. <laughs> yeah.
0: So for me, it's been very interesting. So I do not personally struggle with ADHD. At least I don't think I do. But my husband does. And he actually was diagnosed as a kid and took Adderall. And recently now, as like a mid-30-year-old something, is just recently got re-diagnosed and is now, you know, trying to take Adderall again. And so we've been having so many different conversations about like what ADHD especially means for him. And I feel like there's just so many misconceptions miss lack of knowledge when it comes to ADHD, where people, I know we were talking about the hyperactivity, but it's definitely so much more than that. And like, for instance, like he likes to describe like, He has this always on internal monologue going on in his head. Yes, that is such a good way of putting it, honestly. And like I talked to one of my other friends the other day and he was telling me like his ADHD causes him to chase like, quote unquote, chase the dopamine, which I know a lot of people do. And he's like, for me, that means making sure everyone around me. Is happy because if they're not happy, I'm sitting in my chair worrying about why they're not happy. So me making sure that they're happy, making them laugh, smile, like that's just like one last thing that my brain has to worry about.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh, I feel like that is at, at yes to both of those. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, I definitely struggled. Like I would that. Like I definitely feel both of that. Honestly, um, probably like definitely the more so of like almost that people pleaser type thing. I guess if you could even categorize like, is that which is not like, Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I so get that. Mine also comes, um, you know, low self-esteem like, and I think that can even go through, like I really have struggled with like low self-esteem. Like I've also been like very sh- shameful of my ADHD. I just recently because of a doctor that I had like really kind of like have like owned and like almost again, like it goes back to like me understanding like, oh my gosh, it's just me as a person. Um, yes. But no, I, I would agree with both of that. Just not being able to um, turn it off. I know I just, I can't turn off the high energy and it's not like the productive high energy. It's the butterfly high energy for me. That's like how I would kind of feel it, um, ex, ex, you know, describe it or, um, a big thing like here's an even example mine was like getting so bad to where like i i started watching um, captions with my everything on my i watched from tv perspective is i need captions because i will not sit still like i will <laughs> literally just like i will put on a movie and i'll get up and i'll start going to do the laundry um, and and like, <laughs> so the camera have been like a real big, um, <laughs> it's been like such a stepping stone until just like my daily life of when I'm trying to do stuff like that. But no, it is, it's just for, I would say that it's the like how I would just, just not being able to, to calm down. I also have a lot of sensitivities with my ADHD. So another big thing for people that have ADHD can be like light sensitivity and sound sensitivity. And I definitely, struggle with that a lot and that like for example we had to change out every single led light i cannot even be around led lights like it will just like completely like root like kind of like buzz kill my mojo um (laughs) it's like so Lots of, lots of little things. Um, but, and people definitely say like, oh, I would, I would love to be like, just wake up like hyper. And it's like, but it's not like that type of hyper. It's like the, it's the hyper where like, like your hands are shaking and my teeth are chattering and I'm just having a conversation. I have no idea why and I can't like control it. Um, I just feel like, there's just at all times this big, like just like butterflies are just like literally like flying around in my body from like head to toe internally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of it too. And I just, I want to try to, and like I said, like I'm not an expert, especially on ADHD. And so that's also why, like, I love having people like you and others who can actually talk about it and just kind of talk about your experience for those people who have it who might be. Uh, either afraid to admit that they have it or may not even realize it. Oh, hold on. Like, I think I have ADHD. Like after listening to Bray or after listening to this person, mm-hmm. but also for those people who don't have it and just trying to educate them on like ADHD doesn't look like what you think it always looks like. And like just kind of breaking down some of those stigmas and those, those stereotypes and generalizations that people come to sometimes.
1: Hmm. No, absolutely, and and I I even like and it, there's definitely that stigma associated with like ADHD and ADD, and um, I always I always say if there's one thing I I really wish like I really wished I I did not have this like because I just you have another thing ADHD is you know, cause I'd say this cause my husband, he has ADD. So like, you know, he takes his medication and he's in the zone for ADHD. Even with your medication, you still have to actively work on your ADHD. It's not like you take the pill and everything is solved. It's just kind of helps, right? Like, like if it's almost like you need to know what em- environment you're going to be in when you take your medication, because you will start hyper-focusing on, something else or you know so it's like you have to actively work towards it like daily um and everyone has different you know like symptoms or anything like that but um i i always say too like i am like not i take my medication of course i you know i take it i it helps but i prefer myself all natural you know like i prefer yeah. not being because i like who i am like, for example, I didn't take any today because I was like, I want to be like my full self for my my interview with you. Um, yes. Am I like tr- literally like calming myself down right now? Like trying to like not speak so fast or I'm not making sense, um, you know, and, and stuff like that. But um, so that's another thing. It's like, oh, like, oh, I feel like there's a lot of like, and I've definitely felt like this, just like the shame as far as like, Oh, let me like take my uh, pill. Or people just kind of think like, "Oh, you're like you pre- you're prescribed Adderall. You're so lucky." And it's like, no, I don't. I don't. Honestly, I only take it because like I like I just I won't chill out if I don't. Um, that's how it is for ADHD versus like someone with like ADD. Um, and I actually prefer myself like totally not on that like anything. Um, but hey, you know, just trying to get through the day. <laughs> so. <laughs> Hi, my
0: wonderful GOAT friends. Firstly, thank you so much for your support and listening. If you're enjoying this conversation and other episodes of the podcast, I'd like to ask you to please give us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or whichever platform you are listening on right now. And if you're so inclined, we'd love to hear your feedback in a full review. Also, it might be a great idea to hit subscribe on that platform you're listening to right now so you can get notified of new episodes as they are released. Thank you so much again for being one of our loyal GOAT listeners. Have there been any specific examples or experiences, either in a social setting or in a professional setting where either your anxiety or your ADHD have like been like been like super in your face
1: and you've had to try to like just work around it oh yes yes that is definitely um especially working from home now is I feel like a bigger challenge for probably us who are ADHD but um yeah. I mean, anything when it comes to speaking, Um, I, again, I've had to like, I, on the days I, cause it's sometimes like your medication can be a little bit like counter, like counterproductive too. Or like, you know, it's like you, like I would have, to, I could tell Although I was just trying to chill out, like when I was speaking in like public, I just wasn't able to like articulate like as well. Like there was just, like, be, you know what I mean? Like, be, like little things like that. Or like, I just like, wouldn't I be able to just like, I was just, I was literally speaking so fast to things that like my anxiety, and my ADHD were like pairing up. And then, then that sense, my medication, I feel like was just like, it just like wasn't the solution for like that situation. Um, because I'm trying to like find the balance. I think of the struggle with ADHD and like working and personal life is just trying to find that like consistent balance. But again, it goes back to like, really like the environment that you're in. I think it has a lot to do with it. Like if I'm like on my computer all day, right. Or if I'm like writing something like, sure. Maybe in that sense, like, again, I'm not like, I don't have those distractions around me. I really need to like be able to focus. Um, but if it's something more so where you're like presenting or speaking to something where you're trying to articulate, you know, for me, for example, I kind of know it. Like, okay. I need to like kind of have this approach for my day today day um, to find that like, just like balance. I think that's like the word I almost want to associate with like ADHD is just like, you're just, you're just chasing the balance of like your day and like everything that like could factor into, you know, anything um but it's also being kind to yourself too i think like i've also learned that like you know i do struggle with like you know i am very impulsive i am very like that's but that stuff too right it's learning how to navigate situations knowing okay i know i'm an impulsive person i have HDI i you know i know this i know that so like then navigating the situation that you know you can feel you feel good about obviously or working towards like that, that end goal can be a little bit challenging, but there there's ways, there's definitely ways, um, you know, to kind of figure that out for yourself.
0: Yeah, and I love what you said about being kind to yourself because I think that, you know, knowing you and knowing that you are an empath, I feel like even for those people who can be very empathetic to others, it can still be a struggle to be empathetic when it comes to yourself. And I'm going to, I know we've talked about this, but there's a book that I really, really enjoy called Positive Intelligence. And it's all about this idea of PQ, kind of similar to EQ for emotional intelligence or IQ for you know, just, I guess, regular intelligence. But um, it's this idea that, you know, as children, especially, we have these saboteurs that were necessary, because as children, we, we can't always protect ourselves. And so we use these saboteurs to protect ourselves, or we, we use these things to protect ourselves. But as we become adults, they change from being like, Positive protectors to being saboteurs, and they actually start sabotaging us. And there's the judge, so like internal judge, you judging yourself, you judging others. Um, There's the people pleaser that we've talked about. There's the kind of like restlessness or like the FOMO type of saboteur. For me, my saboteur is definitely like hypervigilance. So we talked about anxiety, like that's definitely a big one for me. Sometimes for people, it can be hyper achiever, like they really only see value themselves if they're doing, like they're, they have tangible accomplishments. Um, and so there's there's these things that you know really can hold us back as adults. But in this book, Positive Intelligence, the author talks about these like games that we can play with you ourselves to help ourselves kind of get past some of these saboteurs. And one of them, when you were talking about being kind to yourself, like one of them that really stood out to me is called Visualize the Child. And in Visualize the Child, he talks about like when you are feeling bad about yourself, like maybe you're judging yourself or maybe you're in an argument with someone else and you're really giving them a hard time. Try visualizing Either them or yourself, as like a two year old or a three year old. And just imagine how the dialogue and the perception changes. Like when it goes from you talking to your 30 year old self to you talking to your three year old self, like how would you talk to your three year old self today? Like, and it, and it just, it's just such a powerful way of giving ourselves empathy and being kind
1: to ourselves that I had never thought
0: about before reading this book.
1: Yes. No, I, I love, I love this. And I, I love everything that you just said. And I think it all, you know, to re to build that compassion and to, to build that empathy, like it all starts with yourself. Right. Um, So I think what I would be telling baby Bray is, <laughs> <laughs> is, is, is just to, to keep going and to, Again, I love saying the be kind to yourself and I I truly feel like that's something I would tell my three-year-old self is just like say, hey, like be kind to yourself. Life is going to be full of ups and downs. It's all going to make sense eventually, but also with time, like, you know, gosh, bless the broken road that like leads you wherever because you, you have to go through the tough times to really reach that level of, of proud, like pride and, and, um, happiness and joy and making sure you fuel yourself with just what feels like good to you and, and like, and sharing and sharing your shine and sharing that with others. um, I just think it's so, I just, I think I truly think be like, be kind to yourself is such a simple and powerful like tagline um, because we can be so incredibly hard on ourselves and we're all just out here trying to figure out, you know, life. I would also say that be the energy, you know, that's contagious and, and, and hold that close to you. Um, I think that would have resonated with my, you know, baby Bray because I definitely now is 30 years old. I want to be the energy that is contagious. I want to be, you know, I want to be that person who is, you can, you know, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control the way you respond and react to things. Um, so doing and, and, and leading with light and leading with love, I would just, I would that's a lot of, I know it's buzzwords, and a lot of things, but I would just say like, that is going to help you, you know, go through your life. And um, you just, you got to feel to succeed, right? You got to do this to do that. So I just think it all starts with just being patient and being kind to yourself. I love it. So, Frey, this Podcast
0: is called Not Your Average Goat, Goat standing for greatest of all time, of course, because I'm a football nerd, as we established early on in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I honestly think that there are so many people who've I've been so lucky to come across and acquaint and work with and befriend over especially the last 10 or 15 years and have been so inspiring to me. And that's why they're the greatest of all time people in my life from my perspective. And so one thing I love to ask everyone is either who a person or what, maybe an experience or an event in your life has been your biggest inspiration or motivation and why?
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. Easy. So first of all, I just, Oh, I love the name of your podcast. It is just even hearing you like I knew that of course, and I like I was like, oh my gosh, this is just like it makes so much sense. Like you said with football stuff, but even just hearing you say it, I just love how true like and how real like the title of your podcast is to yourself. So I love that. Um, but I would say so, Cleo Wade. She is an author. She is a poet. She has absolutely changed my life with her writing. Um, and and has been instrumental in my healing her words her outlook on life her worldview she is actually the reason why I started saying be kind to yourself and actually believing that and living that because of her because it is it is her like when you like Cleo Wade everyone please check her out she is just such a beautiful human but it her writing her book Heart Talk was the reason why I started believing in that was and being kind to myself, truly. Oh, that's so great. I have never read that, but I'm gonna check it out. So thank it's you for sharing. Amazing. It's and it's one of those I go back and I i, I read it's a very simple, there's just a couple words on a page, but oh my gosh, I, I just I cannot Please, everyone, go check her out. Like her writing is—it just resonates in a way that is so, oh, it's just so powerful, and it's very easy to digest. So keep it on your coffee table, as I do. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, great. If anyone wants to reach out, where are they, where can they find you on social?
1: Um, okay, so my Instagram is at Braylon, B R A E L Y N underscore Taylor. Um, you'll also find me on LinkedIn, Braylon um, Rasco, R A S C O. And that's all I really have, I guess, is an Instagram and a LinkedIn. I'm I feel on. like that's what we all have today. Like, that's yeah, it. Yeah, I'm like definitely not on, like, I, I'm on TikTok, but I'm not like, a not you know yeah so yeah that's that's where you're you to find me
0: gosh Bray. well you have no idea like firstly like this has been so much fun it's been so great catching up with you like just listening to your story and your journey it's so impactful so inspirational i i like I just, I love that I know so much more about you, and it just makes like it makes me like I don't know if this is too strong of a lo- strong of a word, but it makes me love you even more. Like I just like I just I think so highly of you, and I I can't wait for others to hear your story too because I know that it's going to resonate and be so relatable.
1: Oh, thank you, Tisha. No, I I love you. Like I love you so much. Thank you so much. I mean, I can't, I can't even begin to express how much this this means to me and how much this meant to me and truly right back at you. I mean, you are incredible. You are so inspirational. You are, I mean, I loved chatting. I loved catching up. I, I definitely am walking away feeling the exact same way. So thank you so much.
0: Not Travage Goat is produced and edited by Yours Truly, with music by Sergey Quadrado and Anton Blazov. All content is copyrighted and should not be recreated, reproduced, or reused without explicit consent. Please visit notravagegoat.org forward slash contact for questions.